Good morning. How are you? Good. You look good. Not might need glasses. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know how if I should say this or not, but I know that uh, the only sermons I've been preaching lately is for funerals. So hopefully you won't feel that way when we're over today. Uh, so. This morning we're going to be talking, you know, tomorrow's what? Labor Day. And Labor Day is designed to honor those that have worked hard and, and basically uh, contributed to our society and done something worthwhile. And so we think about those people, give them a time to have a day of rest, basically, a day off. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how things are going in America right now. I thought of... Uh, the repayment of college loans and how I thought well that's not fair I had to pay back my college loans <laughs> and then I thought got to thinking about people that are get making more money by staying home instead of working and I thought well that's not fair that that should be the case because after all the Bible says if you don't work you shouldn't eat right and then I, I got to thinking about that's what I've been doing most of my life I've been thinking, well, that's not fair. <laughs> you ever catch yourself feeling like that? That's not fair. That shouldn't work that way. And so I want to talk about having a little different attitude about work today, realizing that the work that we have is not necessarily the, the, the way we think about it. It's not just getting up and going to a job. Christ has something more important for us to do than that. There's nothing wrong with having a job, and there's nothing wrong with using your job for the glory of the kingdom, and, and we should. I think it's the best mission field on earth is, is where you work, and I hope you're taking advantage of that. Uh, but the point of the matter is, um, what we should think is that we get to work. We have the opportunity to work. We have the opportunity to serve. But what we have to begin to understand is that God gives us work to do, and the work that he gives us to do isn't always this, the way we think about it. It's not just our job. It's what we, how we live our lives that we're called to do more than just our job. Most of the, the work that Christians do is about relationships. Our work comes through relationships. If you turn over to Colossians uh, chapter 3, we're going to begin here in verse 17. It says, uh, And whatever you do in word or deed, deed do all the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word and deed, do it for Jesus Christ. Give thanks to him for opportunities to do that. Then interestingly enough, it goes on to the, this list of things that, that we have to do that are quite interesting, actually. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is, in fitting, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, tearing, fearing God. And whatever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Again, two bookends. Do everything you do heartily as to the Lord. See? And notice what it lists in between. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but wives, I'm not a wife, but I have one, and I know that sometimes it's hard for her to submit to me. And I know that because she's told me so a few times. And it's true. <laughs> See, uh, then it says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as, and, and that's important, but that's hard for us sometimes too. Let's be honest today. It's hard from, for wives to do what they're called to do, the work that God's given them. It's hard for us to do. This is a relational work that he's given us to do. And it's a system that God set up between a husband and a wife that a wife should submit to her husband. Why? Because her husband loves her. He's willing to put down his life for her. Husbands are to love their wives through everything. You know, every once in a while I think, you know, uh, you got a lot to say about not much. <laughs> okay, that's honest. Some of you might have been there before. But see, I'm called to love her. No matter how hard that is sometimes, I have to love her. Now, you Donna, don't get upset because you're a pretty easy person to love. It says, kids or children obey in all things. Doing the right thing for a young person is pretty hard. All you have to do is think about sometimes when you're young. Do you ever remember being young? I mean, most of us are a little older in here. I noticed that just now. <laughs> so I want you to think way back to when you were young. And I want you to think about, was it easy for you to obey all the time? How many of you got sent to the principal's office? Raise your hand. Hey, a lot more than I thought. I figured it'd just be me with my hand up in the air. But the fact is that, that we're called to obey our parents. It's a work of God. It's His work. It's different than what we think about work. Do you see that? It's different when you think about our duty or our work or our labor of love should be to do the right thing by those that we are in relationship with. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children. So being wise in your labor towards your child and teaching your child how to be a mature grown-up is, is a difficult thing sometimes, and we have to think about it. Then comes a really tough one here. It talks about bond servants here in, in uh, Colossians, obeying their masters in everything. You know, in our world today, they, they estimate that there's 47 million people that are slaves in our world today. Now, when we think about that, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? Totally shocking. And it's, it's probably different than the way we think of slavery. They're being held because they owe money or whatever it might be. They're forced to work, do all kinds of really horrible things. But there are many people that are slaves in this world today. 
But us that are sitting here this morning are also bond servants. Sometimes we forget that. By our own choosing, we've chose to submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior and our Master and the King of our life. And so by doing that, it's very hard for us to say, no, Lord. Blackaby talks about that in his book, Experiencing God. He says, it's very difficult, it's impossible for a Christian to say that. If, if Jesus is really the Lord of your life, how are you going to say no? If he's calling you to certain things, and here we've listed some of them that he's called you to, how are you going to say no to those things? See, that's the work that God gives you to obey the Lord in all that we do. And it's not about fairness. Sometimes what we have to do doesn't seem fair. It really sticks in my craw, it really does, that they're going to get their money back for going to college, and I didn't. <laughs> it's just not fair. <laughs> not that I'd get very much back, because I graduated a long time ago. But the point being is, God is not about that. Obeying God isn't about us thinking, well, that's not fair. Why did you put this on me? Our, our way of thinking is, God, just walk with me through this. Carry me through it. Help me do it. I want to obey, and I will obey you. And I understand that this is the job that you've given me to do at this moment. And so, help me to do it. If you go back to Colossians and you look at verse 22, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as, the, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for, you, for your service to the Lord. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. I want to talk about this no partiality. God has something for every one of us to do. Everybody here. And the question always comes up is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do what God's called you to do? And I believe you know that. I believe I know that. He's called every one of us to that. And every once in a while... If you're like me, I, you catch yourself thinking, well, I really don't want to do that. I'm the only one that thinks that way. <laughs> and that's, that's when you've got to realize who is the Lord of your life. And there's something else that you need to be careful about, and that's doing it just for appearance's sake. I hope that you will join me in praying. I pray this a lot. Lord, just help me to do things for the right motivation, for the right reason, not, not because somebody's watching me. You know, what you do when nobody's watching tells a lot about you, doesn't it? And sometimes that scares me. <laughs> Does it scare you? I don't know if it does. I hope it doesn't. I hope, you're, I hope you can say that you're, you're that much in line with what God says and what God wants that you don't go against what you're supposed to do 
even at home, even at work, even when somebody crosses you up. I hope that maybe when you drive down the road and somebody cuts you off, you don't call them an idiot like I do all the time. <laughs> you know, I hope, I hope that. I, I, I want to be that person. I want to be that guy. This word hardly, do all things heartily is to the Lord. This word hardly means wholeness, mental, mental honesty. Hardly, mental honesty. Free from pretense or from appearance. That, that's what it says here. Do all things heartily with your whole heart with all that's in you. It talks about the idea of fearing God. And fearing God means not to be put to flight. Now, you're challenged to do something difficult. Sometimes you want to walk away. Sometimes you want to run away. And if we think about the history of the church and we think about what Christians have done over the ages, we know that, boy, they've been called to do some hard things, very hard things oftentimes costing them their lives. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to be ready for that kind of thing in our life personally? We talk about it if you're like most of the people I've been visiting with on occasion, that it seems like things like that might be coming into our life, that, that Christians are going to be identified as the enemy, along with Republicans, by the way. <laughs> you fascists, you. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I'm not supposed to do that, am I? <laughs> well, now I'm really in trouble. This one's not on the air, right? <laughs> so we, we, we've got to realize that, that we can't be put to flight. Now, how do we accomplish that we don't accomplish it by blowing stuff up I don't believe that for a minute we don't accomplish that by doing what happened in the white uh, at the capitol building that that was a mistake that was a strategic mistake for conservatives I don't know how you feel about it but that's how I feel about it we accomplish that by not being silent we accomplish that for standing tall when the opportunity comes. We accomplish that by at work every day when people challenge us and, and question our, our faith and our belief. We stand up for Jesus Christ. We accomplish that by talking to our children, teaching them what we should know. We accomplish that by loving our wife. We accomplish that by following our husband. We accomplish that by all the things we just talked about. But we're called to do that. Don't Walk away. Don't become discouraged. This idea of heartily means it comes from the depth of your being. It talks about your soul, the idea of your soul. From the, deep down inside of you, there's a burden that God gives you. And I believe that God gives every person a burden. You might not think, well, I don't feel too burdened, but I'm telling you that God is challenging you in your personal life as well as he's challenging me in my personal life 
to take care of some things that I'm not taking care of. He's challenging me to think about things in a different way than I might be thinking about them. He's challenging me to walk in a different way, to go in a different direction, to understand that God has something specific and powerful for me to do, and it's not just one thing, it's many things. God gives you that. And only you know what that is. Have you ever noticed that people have all kinds of different ministries in the church? They have many different ways of serving God, for obeying Him, for following Him. God calls us to do these things, and all of us together accomplish the work. He had something for the Colossian church to do, and He has something for the church at Paradise Valley to do. And who's the church at Paradise Valley? We are. It's not this building. It's the people that are in it is the church. We're his church, and we're called to do things. Now, a building serves a function. A building is something that you can use to honor God. And that's the way we should think about it. But the church is you. And the work that needs to be done will be done by you. And what's accomplished for the kingdom will be done by people. And the only thing that lasts is what you do. When you do things to bring somebody to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have done something that's eternal. I know I've said this so many times, so I, I, but you let me preach again, so it's your fault. <laughs> the only thing in this room, in this planet, that's eternal, is you. So where are, do we find our work? What is the work we're called to do? To love each other. To love each other more than the world could ever understand. That's what we're called to do. And here's the thing about love. It isn't how the world defines it. It's how Christ defines it. It's how the Bible teaches it. And the Bible teaches that love is not just always agreeing with someone. Love isn't just going along all the time. Love requires a challenge. Another way to think about it, sometimes you have to make war to find peace. You have to confront. I've been confronted. Have you ever been confronted in your faith? You ever have somebody sit you down and say, hey, uh, you ain't doing this just right. How does it make you feel? <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Well, at the time, not too good. Probably. But Hebrews says that. No chastisement seems good at the time. But it brings forth fruit. It bears fruit. And so we have things to do. We're, that's the work that we're called to do. And that's the work that we should desire to do with all of our heart. And we need to look for that opportunity. You know, the interesting thing about this is that our, our work is not 
to earn heaven. It's not about that. You don't do it to earn his love. That's not possible. But instead, you serve the one you love. You do it because you love God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Probably one of the verses in the Bible that's caused more controversy between people than any other, if you think about it. Because we always stop there. What we need to do is look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We get a gift. It's a grace. It's given to us by God. God gives us that gift. If we'll ask for it, if we'll accept it, if we'll follow and do as he commands, we have grace. That's unmerited favor, forgiveness, a gift that makes glad, however you want to look at it. It means a lot of things. The desire and the power to do God's will is wrapped up in grace that he gives us. But here it just says, well, that's not the end of it. That's what Romans 6 is saying. Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? No. What it, what it means is that we have the ability to have a relationship with Christ. And because of that relationship, that's what verse 10 is saying, he's created things for us to do. There's nothing wrong with doing things for the kingdom of God. You're called to do things for the kingdom of God. What's wrong is when people think, okay, I don't have to, anything to do. I'm saved. I'm done. That's it. I, I want to motivate you to think about there's always something to do for the kingdom of God because it's not just about us making it. Is it? You have neighbors. You have family. You have friends. You have a world that's lost. It's about them making it. And so we're called for a purpose. We're called to do His will. Now what happens sometimes is we have wrong motivation. And wrong motivation brings about bad things. We have to, we have to be motivated properly in order for us to really understand what God wants from us to do. If you turn over to Philippians chapter 2 and look at verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, if you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, that, and that's, get it straight in your head. <laughs> work it out what God wants, what God requires and what God calls us to do. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and, and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of the life, 
so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Much of what we do in terms of work is done for the improper motivation, and it's done in vain. It's probably one of the easiest things to fall into in America is to do things for the wrong reasons. Christians are called to do things for the right reasons, to, to take your wealth and use it to help others, to, to take care of your family, to do what's right, to follow God, and sometimes we can just get so caught up and all we think about is getting what we want. It's called materialism, and it's a problem that we have to face. But see, if you're only a materialist, that's vanity. Read Ecclesiastes sometime and see what it has to say about it. Well, make sure you're in a good mood when you start, because you might feel kind of sad when you get to the end. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. You know, basically, the book is saying is everything's been done that will be done. Everything, everything that's happened has already happened. Uh, much of what you do is, is, appears to be a waste of time. But the conclusion of the matter is to obey God, to follow God. See, what we do for God is what counts. I don't care if you're a millionaire or not. But I hope you're not doing it just for the bucks. I hope you're doing it because God's called you to something that brings fulfillment in your life. It's something that is being used to serve the kingdom of God. It's something that brings you the peace that comes from walking with Jesus. That's the real thing. That's when you're successful. Success is to, to make a living at something that you love and desire to do that honors God. That's success. I don't care if you got $30 million in the bank. If, if you've done it for the wrong reasons, you're not going to find success. In the eyes of the world, you will. But not in God's eyes. So when we think about work, we need to think about God's definition of what's important. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you not to go to work on Tuesday <laughs> because you have obligations and you have things to take care of, and, and that's part of your uh, walk with God as well, is to take care of your family and see that they have what they need. But make sure your motivation for what you do is, is just. Make sure you're looking for opportunities there. You know, I've, I've done some consulting work over my lifetime and geology work and stuff. I have many, many opportunities to talk to people about the Lord at work. You know, pretty soon they start calling you preacher boy or whatever, make fun of you a little bit. I can handle that. Can you handle it? Actually, I thought it was kind of a compliment. They stop cussing around you. They stop doing some of the things that they normally do. And when they do cuss, they say, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I just tell them, hey, uh, I've heard it before, but, you know, Jesus is here all the time. See, we have opportunities out there that are great. That's our opportunity to be around people that are, that are lost. But I'm off on a little tangent here. 
Do things for the right reasons, that's for sure. The last point I got to make here, because I'm running a little long, and I got about 15, 20 minutes to go, but I'll be out of here in about three. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. I heard that. Could I get some more amens on that? Yeah, church is about over. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the real preacher back next week. Hallelujah. That's the way I look at it. You don't want to labor in vain. Right? Paul was concerned about that. He was, he's worried about this in, in, uh, sec, in Philippians chapter 2. The, the very last verse that I read, it says in verse 16, Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You don't want to come through your life and realize, hey, much of what I did was in vain. This is Paul. I don't know about you, when I look at Paul, I don't think of him as being one that's wasted his life. But he was concerned about it. He was concerned that you can get mixed up and you can get lost and you can get off on a tangent. We need to understand that this idea of fairness is not how God works. The way God works is through justness. God is just. And the, one of the biggest enemies of justice is fairness. Bill Gothard talks about that. The enemy of justice is fairness. All you got to do is look at our courts and you can see that. One person will go to prison for life and another person will do the very same thing and go to prison for six months. That's because some judge is doing what he thinks fair not what's just. We're going to be judged by a, a God who is just. We don't want to get what we deserve. <laughs> we want to get what God gives. Amen. And that's the idea of grace. That's the idea that God overlooks those things that we've done wrong. But it matters to God, and it matters to us, that we do things that honor Him, bring, bring glory to God. That's your purpose, that's my purpose, that's the purpose of Christianity, is to honor God, glorify His name, bring fulfillment to other people's lives, bring the gift that God's given you of eternal life. So we're going to stand. That's the uh, shortened version. <laughs> we're going to stand and we're going to uh, sing a hymn of invitation if you have uh, a decision to make today we'd ask you to come as we sing understanding that without Jesus you're going to stand before the judgment of God and you're going to be guilty because you're going to receive what you've earned if you accept Christ, you're going to receive what Christ earned for you.
So if there's a decision to make today, we'd ask you to come as we sing.